Hi, this is Mike. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing at the Heights Fellowship. We hope you enjoy this message. We know it's not the same thing as being here in person, but we pray that God would move as you listen and as God applies this to your heart. We are here on a holiday weekend, right? And so I wanted to take a moment just to um, think about and remember what that holiday is about, right? We're in the middle of Memorial Day weekend, so I thought I would give y'all a little bit of history on Memorial Day. Um, it's always good for me to remember things, uh, how they came about, uh, why we celebrate them. And so uh, Memorial Day was first observed May 30th, 1868, to remember those who died in the Civil War. Uh, and it was also not called Memorial Day to begin with. It was called Decoration Day because people went and decorated the graves of the soldiers. Uh, and so uh, that's how it all got started. Then, in the late 1800s, because of that, it became popular. Many cities and, and states made it a legal holiday. Um, but it wasn't until after World War I uh, that they changed it from Civil War soldiers to all American soldiers who had lost their lives in American conflicts. And then in 1971, it became a national holiday. Um, just to, to give you all a little bit of history about that, it's always interesting for me to think about those things and remember and see how they've progressed and where they've come from. Even though we're in Memorial Day weekend, I want to talk to you today about something that's different, uh, in a different sense, memorials. When Mike asked me to preach on this particular Sunday, I got kind of excited uh, because uh, the idea of a memorial is something that has been, um, God's been working on me uh, for the last several months. Uh, it's something that he's been speaking to me about, uh, and not so much a sense of memorial, but uh, a sense of remembrance. Um, and, and as the weeks progressed, uh, Mike asked me to speak on this before I knew that his sermon series was going to be on uh, hearing God speak, and I was like, man, that's really cool. It, it kind of fits into remembrance when God speaks to us, when we encounter God, right? Something changes, something happens, and we have a point of remembrance. And then last week, uh, unbeknownst to me, Brandon and Joy touched on the topic of remembrance again. Uh, and so I just think it's really neat how God continues to build uh, and put things into our path and into our, our lives uh, of how it continues uh, to grow and, and the way that he orchestrates things. And so I'm super excited today to be here to talk to you about that. And so when I thought about remembrance, uh, I thought about this. Remembrance is a powerful tool that helps us reflect on what has been while encouraging us to what is ahead. When we focus on remembrance, when we exert that skill or that mindset of remembrance, it allows us to reflect on where we've come from and it encourages us uh, to what is ahead. This idea of remembrance is something that the Bible talks, talks about quite frequently. In Christian circles, a lot of times they use a specific word uh, that kind of encompasses this. That word, oh, my bad, I jumped ahead. I always forget. We use remembrance as a tool, right? In my house, you can find this little box. It has my dad's, uh, one of my dad's dog tags uh, and one of my dad's thumbprints. Uh, my dad passed away several years ago, and so this is something in our house uh, that we have that helps us remind us of my dad. Um, fitting dog tags for Memorial Day, I know, uh, but it's something in our house. Something else that if you were to come to my house and you actually made it into my bedroom that my wife didn't keep the door closed because it's maybe the bed's not made or whatever, you would see something else in there. You would see uh, this little ceramic heart in a little shadow box. 
Um, and this has a, a specific um, place in our heart. Uh, back in 2010, we moved to Germany uh, to work with churches there. Uh, we took our 11-month-old son with us, uh, and we found out later that my wife was pregnant. In the midst of all the different transitions of moving to a new country, not knowing anybody uh, hardly, uh, not speaking the language very well, learning how to do that, um, like I said, we found out she was pregnant. Well, during that time, we had a miscarriage. Um, and so in the midst of feeling alone, feeling uncertain, um, we experienced this trauma. And so she got this little ceramic cart, uh, and on the back of it uh, just has a date, uh, and it, it helps remind us of uh, the child that we lost. But what's really neat, I think, is when those, those worlds, those, those simple things of remembrance cross over into a, a realm of the spiritual it was about this time we had had, we'd had the miscarriage. Uh, it was summer, trying to figure out things. Kat was in uh, her, her quiet time or her time with God. Um, and she was in Genesis, and she really felt like God spoke uh, a piece of scripture over her. Um, that, that particular scripture was Genesis 18.10. is when uh, the angel of the Lord is talking with Abraham outside his camp, and it said, And I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Oop, I didn't mean to have all those extra things on there, but Kat told me. <laughs> uh, Kat told me when she talked about it, she goes, I don't know really about a son, but I really feel like God's speaking to me, that, that this is a promise that he's speaking over our family, speaking over me. In the midst of my hurt, this is something that he's, he's spoken to me. Uh, and so just about to the day that next year, uh, Riley, our little girl, was born. Of course, she's got a I love dad hat because who doesn't love dad, right? <laughs> so when the realm of remembrance bleeds over into the spiritual, God can speak to us and, God can, and we can encounter God in a new light and in a way that helps us remember who God is. Now I'll go. In Christian circles, this, this idea of remembrance is encapsulated uh, in a term called an Ebenezer. And maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. The definition of, an, of Ebenezer is a stone of help or uh, a stone of remembrance. Um, this term gets thrown out a lot of times if you've, if you've been inside a church a lot or if you've experienced these things about an Ebenezer, something to remember something by. Um, here's a little history about Ebenezer. The word Ebenezer only appears three times in the Bible. It shows up in 1 Samuel in chapters 4, 5, and 7. And let me describe those to you just a little bit. Ebenezer is actually a location. It's a location of a couple battles that Israel had with the Philistines. The first battle, Israel didn't obey what God wanted them to do. Israel didn't listen to what God wanted them to do. Israel lost the battle. And it's at that battle that the ark was taken by the Philistines. A little bit later, um, in chapter 7, they actually are having a battle again with the Philistines in the exact same location. Samuel prays to God, finds out what they need to do. Uh, Israel listens to God's word, and they, they are successful. They defeat the Philistines. And it's at that point that Samuel takes a stone, he tips it up, he pours oil over it, and he, he calls it Ebenezer. And he says, this stone will be here to be remembered that God has helped us. And so this idea of an Ebenezer stone stems ideally from this particular passage in 1 Samuel, where Samuel sets a stone up to remember how God helped them to defeat the armies of, of the Philistines. 
But this idea of setting something up to remember what God has done or how you've encountered God is something that is scattered throughout the Old, the Old Testament. It's something that um, is not new or specifically to Samuel and what he did here. Brandon and Joy talked about it last week, right? They talked about when the 12 tribes of Israel crossed over the Jordan to go in to take the promised land, they set up 12 stones, right? In Joshua 4, 5, this is, this is part of that story right here. It says, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. They set up these stones so that when they saw them in times to come, they would realize and remember the mighty acts of God, how God took them from slavery in Egypt and how he parted the Red Sea, how he parted the Jordan, how he gave the manna to eat, how he provided for their needs in the wilderness. They set up these 12 stones, they made an altar for it, and they used it as a way to remember how God interacted with them, how they encountered him, how he took care of them. And then a little bit later, they go in and they possess the, uh, the promised land. And I'll say possess because they didn't really uh, do everything that they needed to, but they, they got to the point where there's two and a half tribes that said, we want to live on the other side of the Jordan where we've come from. We, we, we promised to go over and help the rest of our brothers uh, take what God has promised us, but we want to go back. And so when they go back, they do something very similar. They set up on the other side, very similar, an altar, just like it's on the, I know there's like two sides, right? There's one on this side, right? And we'll do one on this side just so we can keep it clear. They built this one when they went over to begin with, and the other two and a half tribes built another one so that they could remember, so that they would be a, a, a place of remembrance to say, we had a part in what God is doing. God is our God. Uh, it talks about it here in Joshua twenty two thirty four. said, the people of Reuben and the people of Gad called the altar witness, for they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God, to remember who God is, to remember that they are a part of what God did in the other, on the other side of the Jordan in, in taking the promised land. Another instance is, is even before this happens, right? Jacob is out uh, in the wilderness and he falls asleep. Maybe, maybe some of you have heard this story. It's called Jacob's Ladder, right? He lays down. He goes to sleep. He puts a stone under his head for a pillow. Poor choice. But he puts a stone, he goes to sleep, and he sees angels going up and down from heaven and then God tells him this in Genesis 28, 13 through 19. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. There is none other than the house of the Lord, and this is the gate of heaven. And he took that stone that he put under his head to sleep in, and he set it up, and he made it as a point to remember what happened in that place. 
We do this all the time with different things. Even in Memorial Day, if you're in the CrossFit world, probably sometime this weekend, you will do something pretty crazy, like run a mile, do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 air squats, and then run another mile as a way to remember somebody who gave their life uh, in service to the U.S. We do, we do memorials all the time, but this idea is throughout Scripture. And we take that word and we use it, Ebenezer, to encapsulate that way to remind us what it is that we want to remember. Brennan and Joy shared a quote last week that I want to share again that, that just kept ringing throughout my head this last, this last week. That was the other part of the scripture I didn't read. Remembrance is the kindling for faith when life gets hard. When we practice remembrance, the kindling for faith when life gets hard, because you know what? Life is going to get hard, right? Life is difficult. Circumstances happen in life that are not favorable to us or to others around us. And Ebenezer acts as a way to combat doubt. Because when life gets hard, we begin to doubt the goodness of God. We begin to doubt the faithfulness of God. We begin to doubt the love of God. We begin to doubt that God is in control, right? Just the events over the last week or so have many of us questioning how good God is, why things happen, and our faith begins to be shaken. We begin to doubt those simple truths of God, Some of the things that help us combat those, those doubts are the simple promises of God, right? Those simple promises of God that God will never leave you. God loves you. God understands your pain, and the, and the list goes on and on. These, these types uh, of promises are true. They're in the Scripture. They're, they're true for us. They're what I like to call general Ebenezers. That's what's up there. And when I think of general Ebenezers, I think of what a lot of people will think of. They think of a little stone, right? It's something that you can take, you can put it in your pocket, you can remember out throughout the day. God loves you. God is with you. God is for you. Those are true. And this little stone helps me think about a general, what I like to call a general Ebenezer. But then, personally, and if someone else has come up with this, I don't know, but I'll take credit for it, I guess. So we have a general Ebenezer, and then we have what I call a personal Ebenezer. And those personal Ebenezers are things that God specifically tells to us. Those, are things, those general Ebenezers can be, a, they're a general umbrella that apply to everybody, right? And then our, our specific, our personal Ebenezers are things that God speaks to us. And, and general Ebenezers can become personal Ebenezers. And one of the, the great examples of that is salvation, right? Like so God loves everyone. God wants everybody to come to faith and until we come to faith, that's just kind of a general Ebenezer that God loves everybody until we have that personal encounter with God. And so if this is a general Ebenezer, this is what I want you to think about as a personal Ebenezer. Give me just a second. Oh. I should have had Brandon do this. Hopefully I didn't break the stage. This is what I think of as a personal Ebenezer. 
something that God speaks to you. But as a personal Ebenezer, it acts as an anchor for us. It acts as an anchor for when life gets hard, when the winds and the waves get turbulent. It's something that tethers you to a truth of God. Whether that be your salvation, whether that be a different experience in your life where God has come in, encountered you where you're at, spoke truth over you, and brought you to someplace else. I'm a little winded now. <laughs> it's not that light. This is a personal Ebenezer. I have a personal Ebenezer for, for just about every shift in my life. When God called me in to do ministry, he gave me a verse that I clung to that spoke to me about how he wanted me to do ministry. And then just two years ago, when my life was changed and we uh, decided to stay in the States instead of going back overseas, God gave me another verse. He gave me another Ebenezer. He gave me another anchor that in the midst of being here and not understanding always why I'm here, to be able to be tethered to his word, to his promises, and to be reminded that he is good. He wants to give you Ebenezer's all the time to be able to be reminded of how good he is. But how do we focus on our Ebenezer sometimes, right? The title of the sermon is Remembrance. And remembrance is, is something that you have to practice, right? Some of the things I said earlier. But it's a, it's a skill. Remembrance is something we have to exercise, something we have to do over and over again to get good at it. One of the things that you can do is write it down to journal maybe even talk and reflect with others. This whole journal journey of remembrance for me started earlier this year. I was listening to an audio book with some friends. We were going up uh, for a ski trip for work. I know, it's rough working. Um, and we, we listened to a whole audio book between going up to Colorado and coming back down. And when we got about halfway back, we finished. And we were just talking about it. And I was like, man, this guy's... Life, because it's, it's a biography, and only famous people have biographies that are audiobooks. So this is a famous person. The, the things that he described of what happened in his life seemed crazy. I was like, I know I've had some cool experiences in my life, but I don't know that I've had any experiences like this, right? And we began to talk. We were like, man, he's a really good storyteller. But he mentions in the audiobook, he says, I, I went back and I looked over journals and I looked back at what I wrote down during those times in my, all throughout my life, and it clicked. He's a great storyteller because he practices remembrance. He practices the art of going back and reflecting what's happened in his life. And this is something that has nothing to do with, with God, right? I'm like, he's a great storyteller. Imagine if we would practice remembrance and go back and think about the things that God has done in our lives, the way that he's brought us through pain and struggle, the way that he's brought us into joy and, and great uh, celebrations together if we would stop and we would practice those things, how much better our, remem our, our, we'll call it a remembrance muscle would be. We would be constantly reflecting on that. Because if these are our anchors, right, if our personal Ebenezer's are our anchors, when we look back, we will see a trail of where God has brought us, right? 
We'll see waypoints in our life and maybe have a little bit better of an understanding of what God is doing in our lives. But when we practice that for our kids, for our coworkers, for our family, they will constantly hear how God is working in our lives, how God is changing us, how God is bringing us through, how God is with us in the midst of pain, in the midst of circumstances that are uncertain. We get to practice that. People around us continually get to hear about the goodness of God, about the faithfulness of God. But just like I love the saying that the gospel needs to be preached to everyone, even ourselves daily, right? When we hear the good news of God daily, it reminds us. When we practice that remembrance, it's like preaching the gospel to ourselves again and again about how good God is, about how he wants to walk with us, about how he wants to save us from, our, from ourselves. And the cool thing is that God does this for us time and time again, even when we don't realize it, right? When we look back on our lives and see different waypoints, things begin to make sense. Sometimes they still don't, but we trust that God has our best interests at heart. The cool thing is, so a, a couple weeks ago, we had the Gideons up here, right? He was talking about the, the Gideon ministry. Uh, and then later on, I was talking to a buddy. He, he attends here. Um, he, he was reflecting over having a Gideon Bible while he was in the service. And while he was in the service, he wasn't a believer yet. And he was thinking about it. He goes, man, I, I remember there would be times that I would, I would take out my, my little Gideon Bible and I would just feel the need to read something from Scripture. And I don't even know, it didn't even matter what it was. I was like, I just need to, to read, read this for a little while. And he's like, wow. Even before I became a believer, God was constantly working on me. God was interacting with me. God was chasing after me. And I think about that, and so... I want to read you a little excerpt from uh, one of the books in the Chronicles of Narnia. It's in one of the books that may be less known to you. It's not The Lion, the Witch, or the Wardrobe, or Prince Caspian, or The Don Treader, or any of the other, uh, any of those three that were made into movies. It's actually the third book. It's called A Horse and His Boy. And in this book, um, it talks about Shasta, who's a little boy, and he's got, uh, he's, he describes himself as very unlucky. He describes himself as having a hard time, and he doesn't understand why some of these things... And if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, you realize that uh, Aslan the lion is a representation of Jesus, is a rep representation of God in the story, right? And so it's coming towards the end of the book, um, and Shasta is finally meeting Aslan for the first time. And I want, I want to read this to you because it, it sticks out to me in terms of, man, God chases us. God pursues us. And in the end, when we have that interaction with him, we can see all the different ways that he's, he's chased after us. We have stones of remembrance that we didn't even realize were there because we didn't realize it was God. And so let me read this for you. This is Shasta to begin with. It says, Who are you? He said, Scarcely above a whisper. One who has waited long for you to speak, said the thing. Its voice was not loud, but very large and deep. Are you, are you a giant? asked Shasta. You might call me a giant, said the large voice, but I am not like the creatures you call giants. I can't see you at all, said Shasta after staring very hard. Then, for an even more terrible idea had come into his head, he said, 
almost in a scream. You're not, you're not something dead, are you? Oh, please, please do go away. What harm have I ever done you? Oh, I am the unluckiest person in the whole world. Once more, he felt the warm breath of the thing on his hand and face. There it said, that is not the breath of a ghost. Tell me your sorrows. Shasta was a little reassured by the breath, so he told how he had never known his real father or mother and had been brought up sternly by the fishermen. And then he told the story of the escape and how they were chased by lions and forced to swim for their lives and all of their dangers in Tashban and about his night among the tombs and how the beast howled at him out of the desert. And he told about the heat and the thirst of their desert journey and how they were almost at their goal when another lion chased them and wounded Erebus and also how very long it was since he had had anything to eat. Do not call you unfortunate, said the large voice. Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions, said Shasta? There was only one lion, said the voice. What on earth do you mean? I've just told you there was at least two the first night, and there was only one. But he was swift afoot. How do you know? I was the lion. And as Shasta gasped with open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued. I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the house of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave your horse new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion you do not remember who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat wakeful at midnight to receive you. Then it was you who wounded Erebus? It was I. But for what? Child, said the voice, I'm telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. Just this little excerpt. Sometimes we find ourselves unlucky or we feel unlucky. Sometimes we find ourselves uncertain of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. But God is always there. God continually chases us. God continually pursues us. God continually puts us in the places that we need to be. So this morning, I want to invite you to exercise uh, remembrance. I want you to think about how God has chased after you, how he has pursued you, how he has pushed you to places that you didn't realize you needed to go. And just like my friend and even just like Shasta in the story, maybe you're thinking, I've been unlucky. Maybe you're thinking, God has not been anywhere near me. Maybe I have no waypoints. Maybe I have no personal anchors that point to God. I would encourage you to reflect and ask God. Maybe today is the day that you make your first personal anchor and you have a salvation experience with Jesus. You have your first anchor to hold on to to say, I am God's. I do belong to him. The Lion of Judah has chased after me. He has chased away the beast. He has kept me company. He has pushed me to places I needed to be. I need to be with him. Maybe that's you today. So I'm going to ask Jim to come back up. He's going to um, sing a song uh, that has been one uh, that has been speaking to me a lot lately. Uh, and it talks about Ebenezer's. And it talks about difficult times. Um, in the song you hear in a second, it says... It says that I will doubt. 
But every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. Every point of remembrance will show you and remind you that God has been the one to come and help you. And so I would encourage you as they sing this, feel free to sing, but reflect. Use that remembrance muscle to reflect on the goodness of God and to reflect on what he wants to show you today and how he's helped you. so weak I got this weight upon my chest and I can't stop forgetting my God that you've never left you right here with me still I'm convinced you're hiding oh God would you remind me you're still just as good as when I met you you're still just as kind Don't let me forget You're still the same God Let me through the fire You're still the same God Separates the waters to come to What only you can do Cause God I need you done this before do it again cause the waves are all around me and it feels like I'm drowning my God will you still reach down give me your hand cause even when I'm doubting your love it still surrounds me you're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget that you're still the same God who led me through the fire. You're still the same God who separates the waters come to what only you can do is God I need you and I will build an altar and stack it stone by stone cause every Ebenezer says I've never been alone my faith will surely falter but that don't change what you've done cause every where my help comes from and I would build an altar and stack it stone by stone cause every Ebenezer says I've never been alone my faith will surely falter but that don't change what you've done cause every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from Every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from You're still just as good as when I met you 
You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget you're still the same God. Let me through the fire. You're still the same God. Separates the waters. Come to what only you can do. Come to what only you can do. I will build an altar and stack it stone by stone. Cause every Ebenezer says I've never been alone. My faith will surely falter. That don't change what you've done. Cause every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. Yes, every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. Thanks, Jim. So as we close today, my encouragement to you is to practice remembrance. To think about the way that God has never left you alone, the way that he's brought you from point A to point B, the, the way that he walks with you in uncertainty. And so I'm going to close this in prayer, and then I hope that you'll have a great weekend, and we'll see you all next week. God, we just we thank you. We thank you that you walk with us, that you give us anchors to hold on to, that when life gets hard, when things don't make sense, that we can cling to you, cling to your promises, and cling to the way that you've spoken and interacted with us, God. Go with us this week and help us to be people who speak freely about those things and share your goodness with others. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for being a part of what God's doing here at the Heights Fellowship. If the Lord led you to make a decision or you have a question or a need, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at the email listed below, info at theheightsfellowship.org. And we will join you in praying as you take a step forward on your journey with God.